This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Hello, everybody. This is another weekly edition of NFL Friday. We're here on the Rose Hill Studios. I will be hosting. I'm David Ballack here with Tom Scavelli. Tom Scavelli is going to be talking. We're going to be going through all of the NFL, going through last night's game. Tommy Aldrich is going to come on later. We're going to talk a little fantasy football. Let's see what Tommy's got for your sleepers, who you should have in your lineup, who shouldn't be. And then after that, we'll go through our picks and just look at what what's going on in that league. How's it going, Tom? I'm good. How's it going? Pretty good. Getting ready for Halloween weekend. The <laughs> <laughs> one of the best weekends of the year. You know, actually, this week and next week are two of, if not my two favorite weeks of the year. Maybe Christmas, because I'm a big Christmas guy. Everyone's a big Christmas guy. But these two weeks are the best sports weeks that there is in the whole year. Every sport is playing, right? We have basketball just started, so that's a great time. NFL, we're going now. We're seeing who are the real teams, who are the teams who are going to compete, and who are the teams that are falling off and just they faking it in the beginning. Baseball, World Series. Mets are there. Matt Morrow behind the glass. I'm assuming he's going to be there tonight, cheer on his Mets. He's excited. The Mets are down 2-0, but they got Syndergaard Thor on the mound tonight. We'll see what happens. Basketball started. MLS is in the playoffs if you want to go to the oh, five. MLS. <laughs> Hockey's going. It's just so much fun right now to be a sports fan. No, it's it's the best time of the year to be a sports fan. You hit the nail on the head. It's There's nothing better. You got World Series. You got playoffs. You said it all. We just got to enjoy these next two weeks, and then once it hits like February and March, we just got to deal with it. You're, you're riding and grinding with the NHL and the NBA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no no baseball, no football. You got to really get into basketball and hockey if you're not into it already. Yeah, which you should be. But right now, we are talking football. This is NFL Friday, so that's what we're going to focus on. To start with, why, why don't we go to the game last night? Patriots, Dolphins, they're in Foxborough. Patriots come out. They're coming into the game 6-0. and Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. Patriots dominate. It wasn't even close. The Gronk U Tour or the Kill Everyone Tour, whatever you want to call it, it is in full force right now. Seven and zero, they are unreal. Uh, the Dolphins, I mean, they come, came in hot, right, with two straight wins, and the Patriots just dismantled them. It it, it wasn't even close. Tom, 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 is Tom Brady playing the best football of his career right now? Because it it's close. Like every single game, he comes out and just picks apart the defenses. He's going long. He's finding his running back out of the backfield. He's finding Gronkowski. Gronkowski gets another big touchdown. You just throw your hands up and just like, guys, what do we do? I mean, I think the only question is now, will they go 16-0? and It's now a legitimate discussion. We're almost at the halfway point. There's a few games left on their schedule that maybe you – Question at the Broncos, Broncos 6-0, and but yeah. Peyton, Peyton never beats Brady. That's just a fact. They go to the Giants, and the Giants, everyone's going to laugh. The, the Giants own the Patriots, though. The Patriots are the Giants' little brother. Like I know everyone hates the Patriots, but as a Giant fan, I don't hate the Patriots because we're the one team that doesn't have to hate the Patriots because we own them. We just The last three games, two of them in the Super Bowl, we beat the Patriots, so I don't really care. Oh, the Patriots could be good as long as they're still the Giants' little brother. This this sounds like a lot of talk about nothing. I really don't think the <laughs> Patriots are going through their schedule and circling the one they're petrified. at MetLife. They are with petrified. The, the, the one that they're scared about is 
at MetLife against the Jets. Oh, no. I mean, I will the say the Jets play the they Patriots do play well every time. They played them well last week. They almost pulled it out. They 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 were winning. They should have won it. They had the lead in the fourth quarter. It's a comeback victory for the Patriots. I think that one's going to be a tough one for them. Yeah, the last two games of the year are at the Jets and then at the Dolphins, and they usually have tough divisional road games. But if the Patriots are fourteen and zero at that point, which is possible. I don't think they're going to let the Jets or Dolphins uh, slip them up. So, so do you think the Patriots are going to go 16-0? I think they're going to go 16-0, and 18-0, and lose in the Super Bowl to what? the New York Giants. No, get out of here. Come on. Wait, wait, it's every four years. This We're due. Joke. We're right? due. You're not being serious right no. now. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to remove my bias for a little bit. Um, I do think the Patriots really are the best team in football. They're one of the best football teams I've ever seen. And I think that there's a legitimate chance that they do go 16-0 and and – and go nineteen and I would win the Super Bowl. They are that good. There, there's a chance. I, I have I have the Patriots at fourteen and two. I think I think they lose that game against the Jets. I think the Jets will come out and play them well. And then I don't. Every year, right? We have a team that goes 12, 13 and zero, and you're like, oh, they're going to do it. And then almost every year, they they fall to some game. So I I, I think fourteen and two, they're gonna they're gonna make a run in the playoffs. They're gonna go at least second or third round. They have a shot at the Super Bowl again. They they just seem to be the most complete team in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, they have the best passing offense, Brady, maybe the best quarterback ever. You've got Gronkowski, Edelman, Deion Lewis has been a revelation for them out of the backfield. They're they're unstoppable. They really are an unstoppable offense. Defense played good last night. They had five sacks, two interceptions. The Patriots are dangerous. We know that. We can put that under things we know. Uh, if we want to shift to the Dolphins a little bit, yeah, I, I think was gonna that— Yeah, I going to ask. Let's go. I think that the Dolphins—I was high on the Dolphins coming— He's not armed. <laughs> I think that the Dolphins are, uh, you know, a good team. I had high expectations to them coming into the year. But they, under Joe Philbin, who's just a terrible coach, we could all agree, they couldn't do anything. I think they're going to turn around with Dan Campbell. I'm not going to look at a blowout loss to the Patriots and be like, oh, they're done. Right. It's his second week. That's his first loss. Like, it's expected. They went into Foxborough on a short week. Like, almost every team's going to lose that game because nobody prepares better than Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So, that's fine. It's just one loss. And I, I agree that the Dolphins are a solid team. I think they have been underperforming. But obviously, Ryan Tannehill last week was unbelievable with 25 straight completions over oh, two yeah. games. That's ridiculous. But I, I think I have the Dolphins finishing at the bottom of the AFC East at the end of the year. Really? I think that the Bills will probably be at the bottom. The Bills are in a pretty bad place right now, especially if Tyrod Taylor's hurt. A.G. Manuel's really not good. Um so I think that the Dolphins are a talented team. They do have a kind of tough schedule, though, the rest of the way. Right. But the AFC is pretty weak uh, outside of the top, you know, with the uh, Broncos, Bengals, and Patriots. So I think the two wildcard teams are really up for grabs for pretty much, you know, most teams. And I think the Dolphins will be in that. And if they get hot, I think they could get to the playoffs. Really? I do. Wow. I- I'm not going to pick them to get to the playoffs, <laughs> but I... It's possible. I'm... Three and four. We'll see what happens. You don't. You don't know. I think looking around the rest of the NFL this week, it's it's an interesting week, right? There's some games that I think are really premier matchups that are going to tell us a lot about what's going on in the league, and then some games where it's just like I it doesn't matter that much. Lions and Chiefs. They'll be in London. That's 9:30 a.m. on Sunday. So get ready. Every, I'm, I'm sure everyone around. United States and London will be tuning in for that great oh, matchup. I'm sure they got their alarm set bright and early <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's really not 
any anything to really. 49ers Rams, not a big game. Vikings Bears, Vikings are solid. Maybe we'll see a little bit more about the Vikings. Chargers Ravens. A, a lot of teams that are playing each other that it, their seasons aren't done yet, but I, it, the glimmer of hope isn't looking so great for them. But then we also have some premier matchups that we're going to talk about later in the show, like the Packers-Broncos, two undefeated teams. One of them is going to come out still undefeated. I don't, I'm not that high on the Broncos. I think a lot of people are st- kind of staying away. The Broncos are nervous about it, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. And then Colts-Panthers, another big game for both of those teams. Panthers are still undefeated. Panthers are really good. They're a really good team. Uh, I think they're a little underestimated coming into the year, but Cam Newton is the real deal. Uh, if not for Tom Brady, he'd probably be the MVP of the league through the first so six far, weeks. Yeah. Because him, him or maybe seven Freeman, weeks. but yeah. Yeah, him or Freeman. But, uh, I mean, you look at what Cam's working with. He's got Greg Olson and then a bunch of nobodies, really. Yeah. I mean, he's throwing like Philly Brown. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really impressive what he's doing in the air and with his legs. Uh but yeah, like you touched on the Broncos, we'll get to that later. But I think of the five, six, and O teams, the Broncos are probably the least impressive. Right. I, I personally, I I don't see the Broncos getting past the first round. The Broncos are going to have their spot. They're going to win the division just because the schedule the schedule up to this point hasn't been too tough. And going forward, it's it's mediocre. They they'll have some games, but they'll probably finish eleven and five, twelve and four, get in the playoffs. But I think no matter who they play, I think they'll be done after that. And Payton will be done. Season's over. Yeah, Career's it, over. It could be a bad ending in Denver for Payton. Which which is tough. The other thing, I want to look at that division. Because that division sticks out to me as a division that's getting ready to turn over. The Oakland Raiders, who we're going to talk about later with the Jets. That's their division to win next year, in my opinion. Yeah, the Raiders are a good team. They've got a good young core with Carr, Latavius Murray, uh, Mari Cooper. You've got Cleo Mack on defense. They're a good team. I mean, we could we could get into it. I think that they're going to be a tough challenge for the Jets this Sunday even. Right, and it's true. We're going to talk about that game later. We're going to do the Giants first, though. But right now, it's, we'll look at the NFC East, which is the most wide-open division that there is out there, with the Giants leading it 4-3 and three right now. The Redskins are 3-4. and four, The Eagles are 3-4. and four, The Cowboys are 2-4. and four. Anyone could win this division. It's up for grabs. Who wants it the most, really, is what it comes down to. What do you think? Uh, I mean, like, I'm biased towards the Giants. You're right. biased towards the Redskins. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think that the Cowboys, if healthy, have the best team in the division. But that's the key. Obviously, they don't have Romo no, or Dez. No so. If they can somehow squeak out a win or two even until Romo gets back, then I think that they could be a real factor in that division. But for now, I think it's probably the Giants or Eagles. I- I'm sorry for your Redskins. I just think they're a clear third, but maybe there's no clear third. They're all we, pretty we bad. We beat the Eagles. I don't I don't know why everyone is down on us. Kirk Cousins, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. I said I wasn't going to talk about the Redskins <laughs> beforehand, but hold on. I don't think we should sleep on them. They're 3-4, and four and they have a shot, but their schedule the rest of the way isn't great, so we'll yeah. have to see. Why don't we get in to the Giants game right now. Giants are playing the Saints this week, and we're going to look at our weekly report that we have and see what's going on in that game. The 4-3 New York football giants will go marching into New Orleans looking to take control of the NFC East. 
After seven weeks, New York has sole possession of first place in the division, and a win on the road against the Saints would help them tremendously moving forward. After last week's 27-20 win over the Cowboys, it's clear Big Blue has much to improve on. The offense struggled for the second week in a row, only managing to put 13 points on the scoreboard. Orleans Darkwa scored his first rushing touchdown of the season and may see more action in the backfield this Sunday. Dominique Rogers-Cromarty had two interceptions, one of which he ran back 58 yards for a touchdown. Dwayne Harris also got in on the punt, returning a kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown against his former team. Now, New York must turn their attention to a Saints team that has been improving weekly and now sits at 3-4. and four. Offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo on the matchup. They're a young defense that has improved quite a bit uh, here as of late. Uh, they won three out of four. They're playing at a high level. They're playing fast. They're playing hard. So it's going to be a tough environment for us to go play in. We need to be ready to go handle the chaos and, uh, and be able to execute there, but we have our work cut out for us. Big Blue's defense will need to continue to force turnovers, especially against Drew Brees at home. The Superdome is always a tough place to play, and New York has to step up to the challenge. Offensively, Big Blue has to sustain drives and score touchdowns while inside the red zone. If they can protect the football like they've been doing for the most part this season, the Giants have a good shot to win this game. Realistically, all signs point to a favorable matchup for New Orleans on Sunday. The Giants have a non-existent pass rush and a pass defense that ranks 31st in the league. However, this team has shown resiliency after its 0-2 start and quietly looks to make it 5-6 wins on Sunday. I think the Giants do enough to fight for a much-needed win on the road, 34-31. With the Giants report, I'm Christian O'Hara, WFUV Sports. That was Christian O'Hara, WFUV owned with another fantastic report of the Giants. So Christian's picking the Giants to go into New Orleans and take that win. That'll be huge. We'll do our picks later. But, Tom, as a Giants fan, what are you thinking so far of this game? I am worried about this matchup. I think the Saints are a bad matchup for the Giants. Uh, we know the Giants' defense isn't really good. Uh, they were good at stopping the run early on, but then DMC just tore them up last week. I think Mark Ingram's probably going to do the same this week. Right. Amukamara's still out. Not going to get a pass rush on Breeze. He's got pretty significant amount of weapons. So I think it's going to be a shootout because I don't think the Saints' defense is that good even. But I am a little worried about Delvin Bro. He's the cornerback for New Orleans. He's pro football folks' 11th-ranked corner. Thus far, he's from the CFL and the AFL. And he could really limit Beckham, which could be a problem, especially if Beckham's not healthy. They say he is getting healthy. But right. I do worry about that matchup, and I worry about Eli having to rely on his secondary options, who have not been great. Right, and coming into the year is supposed to be Victor Cruz, and we still haven't seen Victor Cruz. I remember when I was drafting at the beginning of the year, Victor Cruz was supposed to be out like four weeks, and I was like, all right, like right, I'll pick him up. like It'll be fine, and he's still not playing. He's now been dropped by almost everybody in the league. So no Victor Cruz, so Eli has to find other options. And it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I agree that it's gonna be a shootout. The Saints are coming in as one of the hottest teams in the NFL, coming off a of win with the Falcons and the Colts last week. They finally figured out that they need to run the ball in order to succeed. They started out there gunning the ball. Drew Brees still leads the league in pass attempts, which he does every year. He did it last year too, and he's throwing the ball way too much. I think he's averaging like 38 pass attempts right now. But if Mark Ingram can get going and run through the front four and then the front seven of the Giants' defense, it's it's going to be a tough one for the Giants to stop. I, it's hard. Eli and Odell are going home to New Orleans, so obviously they're going to be hyped up and ready to play. It's, it's going to be tough yeah. for the Giants, though. 
I, I'm worried, like I said, but I think the one silver lining is the Saints, I don't think, are that good of a team. I mean, we, they are playing better. They got two wins in a row. But I think at the end of the day, the Saints aren't a great team. So you're never going to be scared of a team that's, you know, below 500 and really not that good. Uh, John Beeson should return this week, which should definitely help the defense. He's right. really the leader of that defense. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I think it'll be a shootout. And I think it's really going to rely on can the Giants get the ball effectively to other people besides Odell Beckham. And that right. starts with Ruben Randall, who's a little bit inconsistent, but he's very talented. Larry Donnell has not had more than 38 receiving yards in any game this year. He needs to really get more involved. Is uh, that on Eli or on him? What is coaches on scheming? I, I'm not blaming it on Donnell specifically. I'm just saying that, you know, they got to get him the ball more. they got to mm-hmm. get him the ball more. He does have a tendency to drop balls and fumble, so, right. you know, you don't want to force the ball to him. But, you know, you got Vereen out of the backfield. The Giants do have a lot of weapons. So, like I said, even if Beckham is – Beckham's never going to get shut down. He's just too talented. But even if he is limited by Bro, uh, they've got to get the ball effectively to other people. They do. It's it's 100% true. I I just don't know if they can do it. But and they can't run the ball. We'll see. <laughs> Going through the offensive comparisons for the teams, Saints average more yards per game. They average more passing yards per game. They average more rushing yards per game. They give up fewer yards per game. When you look at the comparison, the Giants, if you look just at numbers alone, are lucky to be 4-3. and three. And it, what it's come down to is a turnover ratio for them. They lead the league with a plus-10 turnover ratio, and that's been huge for them. In the game last week with the Cowboys, they forced four turnovers. They get the win. That's what it's going to take for them in order to beat New Orleans this week. I don't think that they can come up with a game scheme and say, hey, guys, like we need to pound the ball. We need to get the ball to other guys. It, it's just not going to work. If because if, if it's a numbers game like that game usually is, the Saints are going to take it. The Saints are the hot team. They're playing better. They're an unfortunate 3-4, and four, and it took them a while to get going. But the Saints are just now hitting their stride. And after this, I, I personally think the Saints have a great shot at a wild card spot. I think Really? I'm, I'm pretty high on the Saints. Obviously, it comes down to their defense. Their offense is looking stronger, and if it continues to improve, I know that Jimmy Graham's gone and Drew Brees doesn't have the same wide receivers that he's had in the past, but if they continue to develop those relationships, get Mark Ingram going. Mark Ingram, I think, has the potential to be a top 10, top 5 running back in the NFL if he's got good scheming, getting getting the carries that he deserves. I, I think the Saints have a great shot at the wild card. I just think the NFC is really tough because you got to look at the NFC South is sending two teams to the playoffs, the 6-1 and Falcons and 6-0 and Panthers. Right. One will win the division, one will have the 5 seed. And then the Cardinals and Seahawks in the NFC West, you've got the Vikings and Packers in the NFC North, AFC, uh, NFC East only sending one team that we can pretty much book. Yeah, but I think it'll be a tough road for the Saints. Uh, at, at the end it of the day, tough. I, I just don't think they're that good, and <laughs> maybe that's why I just don't think they're gonna be able to compete with the big boys in the NFC and get a wild card spot. Yeah, and they might not. Looking at the divisions, right? The Seahawks are three and four right now, though, same as the Saints. I think that. I don't know. I'm not that high on the Seahawks. They still haven't figured it out. We'll see if they do. They have a big game this week, though, as they do. I mean, every week at this point is big for them. The Falcons, you said they're going to get in their 6-1. and one. The Vikings are 4-2, and two, but are they really going to sustain that? I like they, the Vikings, personally. Did? I did preseason pick them to go to the playoffs, so you know I want that to come true, <laughs> obviously. But I really like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's one of the better young quarterbacks in the game. Adrian Peterson, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Stefan Diggs coming back. Uh, up big in the passing game Diggs the past has been couple huge. weeks. I, I wonder if Tommy's going to have Diggs in his fantasy league. He should. Because <laughs> Diggs is playing, and he's not, I want to say in the ESPN, like 35% of the leagues people don't have Diggs. Yeah, D- it's Diggs crazy. should be picked up in every league. Yeah, you got to have Stefan Diggs. Uh, 
like I said, though, the Vikings are a good team. They got a good defense, got a up and coming offense, promising offense. So I think they are a team to look at in the NFC. Have to see. So we aren't doing our picks quite yet for Saints and Giants. When it comes down to it, what do you think is going to be the one most important factor in that game for both teams? Um, that's tough. I think maybe the Giants, will they be able to create turnovers off of Drew Brees? Brees has been turnover prone the last couple of years, and they did a nice job of that with Matt Castle last week. Obviously, Drew Brees is light years ahead of Matt Castle. But if the Giants can get some turnovers off of Drew Brees, then I think that they'll be able to win this game. And for the Saints, that like we said, they have the better matchups in a lot of places. So I think maybe don't get too complacent, sort of, and maybe don't think, oh, we're just going to beat this team. Right. I think I, I agree with you. I think the turnover ratio is going to be huge. I think I think whoever wins the turnover ratio in this game is going to win this game. I mean, it's true in a lot of games. Turnover ratio is always important, but especially for the Giants, that's a key for them in order to win the game. And for the Saints, I said it before, he's got to run the ball. Give the ball to Mark Ingram. Let him get the ground game going. The Giants will then have to pack the box, and then Drew Brees can do what he does best and pick apart your defense and find different guys because – He's still got one of the best arms in the NFL. And yeah. I think this game's going to come down to the last two minutes. I think it's going to come down to maybe the final drive. I think it'll be a close game, and maybe whoever gets a lucky break at the end of the game will pull, pull it it'll out. Be, it'll be fun to see. All right. We got the Giants, got the Saints. We'll give our picks later on for that one. We're now going to head over to the AFC East and the other New York team, the New York Jets, who will be playing the Oakland Raiders this week, and we're going to hear our report for that one. this week at 4-2, looking to rebound from a 30-23 loss to the New England Patriots last Sunday. Gang Green led the game entering the fourth quarter, but reigning Super Bowl MVP Tom Brady pieced together two outstanding touchdown drives to find a way to win. The best defense in the league was picked apart by the Patriots' air attack, and the Jets' inability when inside the red zone to put the ball in the end zone played a factor. Head coach Todd Bowles. I mean, it's one game. We're, we're going to move on. I mean, we should be upset we lost. You show me a good loser, I'll show you a loser. So we're going to go over for a night. The next day, we're going to get ready for Oakland. Getting ready for Oakland is no easy task, as the rejuvenated Raiders fight to move to 4-3. and three. First-year Raiders head coach Jack Del Rio leads a young offense headlined by Derek Carr and star rookie receiver Amari Cooper. Cooper, the fourth pick in this year's NFL draft, is 14th in the league, averaging 86.5 receiving yards per game. Darrell Revis will be carrying the brunt of the responsibility covering Cooper, and the secondary will most likely be without Calvin Pryor, who is recovering from an ankle injury. Oakland quarterback Derek Carr. They have a great front seven, uh, as we know. Um, you know, I've played against both of the corners, the secondary. I, I know how talented this defense is. On the other side of the ball, the Raiders' defense is allowing an NFL-high 303 yards in the passing game. Fitzpatrick will look to regain his rhythm with Brandon Marshall, who ended his four-game streak of 100-plus receiving yards in the loss to the Patriots. Will the Jets be able to learn from their mistakes last week and bounce back? Or will the young Raiders surpass the 500 mark through seven games for only the second time in 12 years? My prediction, Jets 27, Raiders 24 in a nail-biter, covering the... I'm Matthew Crow, WFUV Sports.
Pro, letting us know what's going on with the Jets Raiders game in Oakland this week. Another good report. This is this is a big game for both of those teams. Both teams, I think, have the potential to really dictate where their season's going to go after that. Jets coming into the game four and two. Raiders coming in three and three. Both have a chance and a good chance to make a playoff push right now. Who do you got in this one? Well, what do you what do you see being important in this match? Um, I think that this, like you said, is going to be a good game. It's a game between two kind of fringe contenders, I think, in the AFC. Right. I think you look at the Jets have struggled historically in Oakland. They're two and five in the last seven in Oakland. I don't know if that's really a predictive stat because yeah. you got different coaches, different right. players. But I do think that the Raiders are pretty diverse offensively. They could run the ball with Latavius Murray. They could throw the ball to Cooper or Crabtree, who actually has more targets than Cooper. Right, it's true. And uh, defensively, the Raiders have been kind of secretly good almost. <laughs> like their third-ranked rushing defense – Passing defense, a little worse than that, more middle of the road. Or the, or the pass defense is last, actually. So, <laughs> But I don't know. Do the Jets have the pass offense to take advantage of that? Yeah. Marshall and Decker are very good, but will Fitzpatrick be able to get the ball to them? Right. So I think the Raiders are maybe going to be able to limit Ivory a little bit. So with, Yeah, with the extremely talented rush defense, which should not be cannot be understated at all. And that that's credit to their front seven for doing a great uh, performance so far. And I I think they're legit, that team. And I think the Raiders in general are legit and will be legit for the next few years to come. Obviously, we'll look at Derek Carr. Derek Carr, now in his second year, he's performing even better, continues to get better every week. Derek Carr has also only been sacked eight times, which I believe is 31st in the NFL, which includes guys who have played a few weeks. So credit to the offensive line there for Derek Carr and to him for getting the ball out quickly. And that... That's going to be a big factor in this game. If the Jets can get pressure on Derek Carr and get him on his butt a few times and just knock him down, make it so it's going to be tough for him to get the ball to Crabtree and to Cooper, who are Cooper, if you look at his numbers compared to uh, Julio Jones in their first six weeks in the NFL, Cooper has been better than Julio Jones, and obviously Julio Jones is not one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. Crabtree came over from San Francisco, and he's now playing like – He's getting his name back in the NFL and playing well, and as you said, getting more targets. So the Ra- the Raiders have a good shot, especially at home in this one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is going to be how effectively can Carr get the ball to Crabtree and Cooper with Revis and Cromartie on him. Right. Because, I mean, it can't be overstated how good Darrell Revis is. I mean, he's the best. He's just the best. So we'll, you got to make sure he doesn't force it to Cooper, who I assume Revis will shadow. And maybe he looks at Crabtree a little bit. Maybe looks at Murray out of the backfield. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for the Raiders' offense. Definitely. Definitely. Because, I mean, the Jets, obviously, were they second in defense right now in yards per game? They're the top rushing defense, passing defenses, I want to say fifth right now. The defense is phenomenal all the way back. Every man on that field deserves to be on that field. and They're playing well. And I think that's left over from Rex Ryan. I know Rex Ryan's not there anymore. It's Todd Bowles' team. But Rex Ryan still has coached up that Jets defense. And those guys are still there. And they're still playing really well. I, I also think, as you said, it's going to come down to Chris Ivory and whether he can get something going against the Raiders' rush defense. Because Chris, I, I don't think the Jets' offense ticks without Chris Ivory going. We saw against the Patriots, they really were able to stifle him and have – he was coming off his career high in rushing yards against the Redskins. He goes against the Pats. They stifle him a little bit. He doesn't have the same game. 
the Jets often performs decently. They perform pretty well, and Ryan Fitzpatrick stepped up, which is key for them. But I don't see the Jets winning if Chris Ivory doesn't get 80 yards and maybe a touchdown, I, even with the Raiders' strong rush defense. Yeah, if the Raiders can shut down the run game, I think that's huge, especially since it's in Oakland. Right. If you could shut down a run game, and then you're going to force Fitzpatrick to be throwing for you know a lot of the game you know in hostile territory, I think it's going to be tough sledding for them. Sounds good. Um, it's for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I agree with everything Tom's saying so far. I think third down's going to be important for them coming into this game. I mean, third down's important in every game. Coming into this game, they are converting about the same rate, 45-44. Not great for either of them, but that's Ryan Fitzpatrick and that's Derek Carr, and they're going to need to step up on those plays. I agree that with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the imp- important part for the Raiders' defense is to make him beat you. Because Brandon Marshall's performing like Brandon Marshall. like He's been really good. Yeah, he was coming over from Jay Cutler. And Jay Cutler, when he got in the ball in the beginning when he was in Oakland, Brandon Marshall was one of the top five receivers in the league. Now he comes over to the Jets, and Fitzpatrick's getting in the ball, and Brandon Marshall's making plays. He has 560 yards and four touchdowns. And Eric Decker's got four touchdowns. Last week was the first week he didn't score a touchdown in a game. So receivers are doing well. Can Ryan Fitzpatrick get the ball to them? And can they get the job done? The other issue I see for the Jets is injuries. Nick Mangle came out last week. We don't know. He hasn't practiced thus far this week at the center position for the Jets. They bring in, they signed a guy off the practice squad. Their punter, their long snapper, is practicing and working out. So we'll see if Mangle's ready to go. If he doesn't, then the Jets are facing that tough rush defense with the Raiders and how does Chris Ivory get going? Yeah, I think that's exactly it too. Like you said, if the center is out, it's even going to be harder for Ivory to get going, which will in turn be harder for Fitzpatrick to have to play catch up sort of in the passing game. So I think that's a huge injury this week. Uh, hopefully for the Jets' sake, he can play. And if not, I don't want to say that the fate of this game relies on a center's health. Center's important, but I don't think he's, you know, like a quarterback important. But that's definitely going to be a huge injury to look out for and will have a huge impact on this game. Yeah, I mean, I agree it's not of huge importance, but I also think we've seen so many times in the NFL, it's just disastrous when you don't have your starting center in there, especially with a guy when Fitzpatrick has been playing with Mangold all year so far. It's tough to come in and adjust. You have to get down the timing, get down to being comfortable, working out. Your center is your captain on the line most of the time, so he's working out with everybody else. So It's going to be tough, but... If they can bounce back, if they if, if Mangold plays, it's a game changer. And even without him, if they can figure it out and get the rush game going, like we said, the offense will settle in. It'll be a good matchup. Do you think this one I, – I have this one being low scoring. What about you? Uh, I have moderately scoring. I have 24-20. I won't say who I have with <laughs> Okay, what, so okay. I was going to say we're not doing picks yet. I'll say that that's middle of the road. Uh, no. Yeah, no, that's fair. So we got that game down. We're going to go through our next picks after this, but we're going to talk fantasy football now. We're going to bring in Tommy Aldridge in a sec, but first we got a report for you guys. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. All right, so we're bringing in Tommy Aldridge now hello, to hello. talk some fantasy football. Tommy, how's it going today? Guys, I'm doing well. Hello, can you hear me now? Uh, now we got him on. We got him on. Beautiful. All right, Tommy, how's it going? Well, guys, 
I'm well. It's Halloween. <laughs> what do we do on Halloween? We like to celebrate the absurd. So I'm going to begin this week's segment by talking about the absurd. Two players I got for you. Todd Gurley, I mentioned him a lot before. Absurd. He is 125 yards in each game. He accounts for 50% of the Rams' offense. I mean, think about that. 50% of the Rams' offense in the past three games. In three games, he's rushed for 433 yards. They're feeding him the ball. He's got 30 carries against Green Bay. This guy's absurd. Martavius Bryant. Absurd. I mean, look at his production over the past two games. First game against Arizona, he had six receptions for 137 yards, two touchdowns. In the last game against Kansas City, he had three receptions for 45 yards and one touchdown. And these numbers, guys, they don't even they don't even really show what exactly he's doing on the field. You have to watch the plays. If you saw his highlights against Arizona, you'll know what I'm talking about. Absurd. Is, it, is he absurd? Is he absurd? <laughs> yes. And he's, he's been doing this with Landry Jones, too. Big yeah. Ben's coming back this and week. That's going to really I mean, help him. He's only in his second year. He has 11 touchdowns in 12 games. That's all he does. We all he does know. is catch touchdowns. Like, that's his job, and he does it so well. People talk about Odell Beckham and his seemingly limitless potential. I mean, Martavis Bryant is, is right up there with him in terms of, I mean, his ceiling is, is not projectable. Anyway, moving on, get into a little more conventional stardom and sit type deal. This week, to start for you guys, I'm going with Michael Crabtree facing the Jets. Crabtree hasn't found the end zone much this season, only twice, but tell you what, he's getting, he's getting more looks than young stud Amari Cooper. He, is, he has yep. nine more targets on the season than Amari Cooper does, and this high volume of passes will bode well for him. I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's a steady dose of receptions. And I think this week, as Darrell Revis will likely follow right. around Amari Cooper right. all day, I think the opportunities for Crabtree go up. And, hey, he finds the end zone once. The numbers will boost. Good game for him. Another guy I need you guys to start this week is Doug Martin. There's no hotter running back in the NFL right now. I mean, if you have him, you're going to start him. But, hey, it's worth pointing out the past two games – Sorry, the past three games, he has had at least 140 yards from scrimmage. That's pretty crazy. And he's getting the carries, 20, 24, and 19, respectively, the past three weeks. So the volume is there. And look, they're playing Atlanta this week. They're ranked 28th in run D. We all know they can't really do much against the run. So look, why don't you play Doug Martin and Michael Crabtree, those two guys, looking good for this week. Now, getting back or getting to the more negative side of fantasy football, the sitting section, guys who you're just going to have to unfortunately make tough decisions. And, guys, I'm telling you, it only got worse if you're an owner of a Giants running back this week with Orleans Darkwa. But, look, if you own any New York Giants running back, do not start them. I repeat, <laughs> do yeah. not start them. If you, already are, if you have been starting them, I don't know really what <laughs> universe you're in. You're not. Because you're not it's fairly contention. obvious. But I'll tell you guys. We live in New York. We're able to j- watch the Giants every week. They do not have – I mean, a committee isn't even uh, – a committee doesn't really do what is happening with the Giants running game service. They, they'll start with Rashad Jennings pretty much every time, but Shane Vereen could be the most electric running back on the team. Andre Williams is only a young guy, and while his production has been decreasing, they still like to give him the ball – and. Now introduce Orleans Darkwa, unknown second-year player. He had a 
over 40 yards and a touchdown last week. So, look, anything could happen against New Orleans in the Giants running game. I wouldn't start anyone on the Giants who's running the ball. Another running back who I'm going to have you guys sit is Eddie Lacy. Now, if you have this guy, I'd still be super pumped about it. I'm not worried about Eddie Lacy, but this week I'm a little worried about Eddie Lacy. He's coming off of a game, or they're coming off of a bye week, so he's likely to be rested. However, the game before that against San Diego, James Starks really took over the show, and Lacy only had four carries. So I think what's going to happen with this Packers offense is that, look, Eddie Lacy, to me, I like to call him a winter back. He's a guy who, once the, once it gets a little colder and you're in Green Bay and you're playing those home games <laughs> in December and January, you're really not going to want to tackle Eddie Lacy. He's Fat Eddie. That's his He's nickname. Fat Eddie, and he's really fat these days, in my opinion. But anyway, this guy, keep him on your team, obviously. I think as the season goes along, look, I think down the road you're going to see this guy having the numbers he usually puts out. But this week, hold off against him. I mean, look, you're probably still going to start him if you All have right. him. But I would just be cautious about just, it. Just to add in and jump in there, I'll just get back going. The Broncos' uh, rush defense is giving up 85 yards per game. So, just not even with Eddie Lacy coming off a poor week, the Broncos' defense, the front seven is phenomenal there, too. So, even D- harder. David, you actually got me there. I really didn't take note of the fact that they were playing Denver. You guys were talking about it earlier. I think what's keeping Denver alive is their defense, honestly. they I mean, they have to have one of the most talented defenses in the NFL, and they certainly have the most productive defense. They have so many points, these guys. So you're right there. Tough to play. You, you, starting, you starting the Broncos' defense this oh, yeah, week? So that's an interesting fantasy question. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> one last addition. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that after. To this little monologue I have here, one more sleeper, or a sleeper for you guys. I'm going with Benjamin Watson, tight end for the New Orleans Saints. He's coming off two fairly decent games. A really good game against Atlanta two weeks ago where he had 10 receptions for 127 yards and a touchdown and a decent game last week against Indiana. But the point here more is his opponent, the New York Giants. Again, some Giants fans in the room. We watch them every they Sunday cover here the in New end. York. The Giants really, they're not great at covering tight ends. And their linebackers are a little suspect in the past game. I mean, every time the Giants play Jason Witten, it looks like he's getting the ball every play. But anyway... I don't like tight ends against the Giants. Benjamin Watson having some production these past couple of weeks. Put him in if you're unsure what to do at tight end. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of give a little fantasy sleeper, too. You talked about Doug Martin. I actually like the other guy in that backfield a little bit, Charles Sims. Whether you're in a 14-team you know, PPR yeah, league, right. specifically PPR if you're in like daily fantasy, I think Charles Sims is a guy that's going to get overlooked this week. But he's had 10 carries last week, 12 carries the week before. He's very involved in the passing game, which is why he's such a good PPR option. I think the Buccaneers are going to get down early to Atlanta. And Sims has kind of been their passing down back. So I think we're going to see maybe more snaps for Charles Sims, maybe dump offs to him in the passing game late in the game. I think Charles Sims sneaky bet for like four to six catches this week and maybe he finds the end zone. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. He's, he's, a, he's averaging 13.1 yards per catch, too. So Sim, Sims, when he gets the ball, he's making moves and he's getting down. And the, the, I agree, the Falcons linebackers, I, they don't cover well, and that's what it's going to come down to. And I, I think that game's going to be more competitive than you think. But, but I, we'll still, I still think <laughs> Sims plays an important role in that game. One thing, I, I think you guys, uh, just talking about competitive games, I think you guys brushed over the game in London this week a little bit too much. 49ers-Rams, you said, oh, that's a bad game. I don't think there's any such thing as a bad game in the NFL, but 
Uh, the the game in London this week is the the Lions Chiefs. Lions. Oh, that's it's also a game to gloss over. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly gloss over that game. No, I'm kidding. But well, now that you said that, I just don't know what to say. But the, my <laughs> point was the the games in London they they've been super exciting. And last week's game in London was crazy. So you know. If there's anything about that city and crazy games, you know, maybe maybe the Lions yeah, and Chiefs will get one. And it's great what the NFL is doing. I think we can go into this a little bit. The NFL, they just agreed to further extend the contract with London. They're not going to do games through, I believe, 2020, and they'll be doing four games there a year. And so to get football over there and to continue to spread football, which is one of the, the biggest sport in America right now, and it's almost shocking that – it's not worldwide. Did you know that there's like a World Cup of football and America doesn't normally dominate it that much? Like we win it most years, but it's like Division Two and CFL guys are playing in that game. It's just not a worldwide sport. It's I only saw, America. Uh, something on ESPN where it was something like a it was something like a, it was a Olympic football league or something like that, and I think Brett Favre's nephew or something was the quarterback, <laughs> and I don't know if anyone can confirm that. But <laughs> I'm gonna go um, against it. I don't like the games in London. Really? I'll be honest. Like. Maybe if they're on at a better time, but they're on at nine thirty. I love it. You wake up, you have football on. You wake yeah. up in like the third quarter. So well, it depends when you wake exactly. up. <laughs> Last week you had to stream it on Yahoo. I think if the NFL is going to go and try to make this thing, try to make this a thing, football in London, don't send the bad teams over there and put them on at nine thirty in the morning on Yahoo.com. <laughs> so if you're gonna make it a thing, then make it a thing. But I don't like what they're doing right now. Yeah, but if, if you're a Giants fan, then you don't want to see that your team is playing in a game in London like that when they're playing a big matchup against, say, the Cowboys or the Eagles. Like, you want to go, if you're the fans, you want to go support your team at that game. If you're the Lions and Chiefs fans, like, there weren't going to be that many people at this game. Anyways, (laughs) nobody's that passionate about this game. It doesn't mean that much. I'm happy to have these games over there to get the exposure in London. As it gets bigger, as the fans are there better, as the stadium and the facilities are better, like they were at Wembley last week and the grass there was terrible. So that all needs to be taken into account. I like that the NFL gives teams buys after this week. So I do like that. So that they can come in and they can rest up. And the guys seem to have a fun time. The Texans were there last week. They were filming themselves doing British accents. (laughs) Not all players love it. There are definitely going to be some who aren't fan of it but a lot of guys like there are plenty of NFL players who've never been out of the country so I think it's a great experience I'm a fan of it we can't talk about it much longer though we now have to get into our picks for this week everybody get ready Tommy's rubbing his hands he's excited I thought hopefully he's got some sleepers for you on what's coming out of that so this will be fun let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions so we will be getting Tom Scabelli's opinion, me, David Bagg's opinion. We got Tommy Aldridge. We got Dan Bradley in the booth, along with Richard Jean. They're going to be giving us their picks, too. So when you have all these voices floating around in your head, they're they're coming from a lot of us. There's five of us making picks. We're all geniuses. We're all going to nail every one of these picks. So here we go. We also have an upset of the week. And we also have an upset of the pick. So we're doing five games. We're going to go through the Giants-Saints. We're going to do the Jets and the Raiders. We're going to do Bengals-Steelers. We'll do the Colts-Packers and the Broncos. Or, sorry, Colts-Carolina and Broncos-Packers. Let's start off with the Giants and the Saints. This one's in New Orleans. Starts at 1 p.m. on Sunday. I don't pick against the Giants. Uh, I don't like to pick against the Giants. I will sometimes. I'm not going to pick against them against a team that I don't think is very good. 
I'm going to say Giants win a shootout 31-30. All right, Tommy? I'm going to say the Louisiana native pass receiving and uh, throwing combo or trio of Eli Manning, Ruben Randall, Odell Beckham, all these guys natives. They're going to have a big showing in their home state. I take the Giants in this one. The score? I don't have that. All right. <laughs> Who's up next? Dan, you coming? All right, Dan, what you all right, boys, I'm going with the Giants. I've always thought that Drew Brees was a little overrated. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Dan and go with the Giants. As a true Giants fan, I can't turn my back on Big Blue. Giants fans here, but I am in shock that I am the only one picking the Saints in this one. The Saints are coming in. They're going to be strong. They're playing at home on Halloween weekend. Talk about a weekend to be in New Orleans. My parents are actually in New Orleans this weekend, so shout out to them. They're going to have a great time. <laughs> Halloween weekend, the Saints are going to come out. Hopefully they won't have too good of a time. <laughs> The Saints are going to come out. They're going to take this one 30-17. I think the Saints have this one in hand for most of the game. Maybe in the third quarter, the Giants make a little run. But the Saints are just going to score too much, and the Giants aren't going to be able to put enough points up. So we got that one. We're now going to go over, and we're going to do Jets-Raiders. This one's out in Oakland this week. Game time is 4 o'clock. Tom, what do you got? I think a lot of things are aligning for the Jets matchup-wise, but... I watch the Jets a lot. I'm not a Jet fan, but in New York, I watch the Jets a lot. This has classic Jets implosion written all over it. <laughs> I'm going to say they lose this game to the Raiders 24-20. Upset pick, Tommy. Tom, that's a great point. I'd say this is about this is as tough as a pick as I can think of right now. Two pretty evenly matched teams. Right. But something about the Jets being away, and I really like the way you put that, an implosion opportunity for the Jets. They'll always take it. I'll take Oakland. I, li I like, we're going to get to the Dan in a sec. I like the two Giants fans coming no in bias. here talking no bias about implosions amongst the Jets when the Giants are 4 and 3. They, all right, never mind. Dan, what do you have? Uh, I'm going with my J-E-T-S Jets, baby. I will never betray Gang Green. Unlike Dan over here, I'm going to have to go with Oakland. I believe uh, Omar Cooper and Derek Carr are going to go off on this game, and they're going to come back with a W. He's going Jets-Giants. Alright, <laughs> I got, I'm going Jets in this one, they're going into Oakland, they're going to keep their season going, they're 5-2, and two. I believe in the Jets, the Jets are a playoff team, the Jets take it 24-20, I'm flipping Tom's score. Next up, we're going Bengals-Steelers, what do we got? I think this is going to be the highest scoring game of the weekend, Big Ben is back, Dalton is, uh, and his Bengals are 6-0, and oh. But Dalton is 2-6 all-time against the Steelers, I think, in Pittsburgh with Big Ben back and against Andy Dalton. who He could be bad Andy. We could get bad Andy this week. <laughs> I'm going to take Pittsburgh 34-30 in the highest-scoring game of the week. A lot of hype surrounding this game. Big Ben comes back. His connection with Martavis Bryant at home. Can't really go against Pittsburgh at home. I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this one. Dan? Rick? Uh, yo, you guys are ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Bengals all the way. At the end of this week, the Bengals will be 6-1, and one, so go Steelers. I'm going to have to agree with Rich and Tom here. I, got, I also have this one being the highest score in the week. I got Steelers 33-27. It'll be a good one. It'll be fun, and it's going to be high scoring, which is interesting because Steelers have always been that team. You look at the defense, you're like, oh, the Steelers defense, they're winning these 14 to 10 games. But no, it's not that team. It's a new team now, but Big Ben's going to come out, leading the team. He's back. Steelers get it done. Going to the Packers and the Broncos. This, to me, is the premier matchup of the week. Both teams undefeated. Someone's coming out with their first loss of the year. Yeah, I think 
really two obviously really good teams. They're both six and zero, and I think the Broncos defense is going to cause a lot of problems for the Packers. But at the end of the day, I think that Aaron Rodgers at this point is a lot better than Peyton Manning is. I think that's the difference. Packers take it 24-20. Interesting matchup here. The strengths of both teams being kind of played on each other. I think the Packers offense might be one of the best units in the league. And the Broncos D could very well be the best defensive unit in the league. These two guys squaring off. I'm going to give the edge to uh, Aaron Rodgers right now, playing out of his mind. Go Packers. Back there. Yeah, I got to go Green Bay. Both of those teams are awesome. That's the marquee matchup of the week. But I say Green Bay inches it out by a field goal. I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm going to have to agree with Dan on this one. Green Bay is going to definitely come play hot. Denver's defense is going to come play good. But they're going to come out with the field goal at the end, game-winning field goal. We got some of us saying it's going to be close. Some of it's got a little further apart. We're all going Packers here. I'm going Packers 25-13. I just don't believe in Peyton Manning's arm anymore. I just It's hard for Noodle me to get it done. No, no more Julius Thomas. He's got Demarius Thomas. It's, I just can't see it happening. So I don't think the Broncos get enough points to get the job done. Packers take it. We all pick the Packers though, so that probably means that the Broncos are going to win in 45-7. And the Packers, we're all going to be like coming out here and being like, oh, I thought the Broncos weren't real, and then they're real. I don't know. We'll see. Last but not least, Panthers Colts. This is your Monday night matchup. Uh, I'm higher on the Colts than a lot of people are. I don't think they're as bad as they've been playing. And I don't think Carolina is necessarily as good as they've been playing. But I still think on Monday night in Carolina, I think that Cam is Superman on Monday. and He pulls it out 27-24. Something weird about trying to pick teams that are undefeated. It just kind of, something kind of inclines you to think, oh, they can't win again. They can't win again. I mean, really, it's, it's, it really is tough. Uh, I think, like you said, Tom, it, Indianapolis, not quite as bad as people say on a grand stage. On Monday night will be the time for them to unveil maybe the second half of their season. So I'm going with the Colts for this one. Yeah, I think we're kind of in agreement here back here in the booth. I'm definitely going Panthers on this one. Um, I'm going to have to go a little different and go with Indy because I believe in last season Indy started 0-2 and then went all the way to the AFC, AFC Championship. They're going to start this season, come back, and come back again and make it all the way back. I like the picks. It's going to be close. I, I also have this one being close. I think the Colts lead most of this one, but Cam Newton leads the team on a last-minute drive. They score with 30 seconds left, and the Panthers take it 27-24. I'm in agreement with Tom. We're going the exact same score. All right, Great this is, alike. <laughs> That's why we're hosting, right? This is the big one, the upset pick. This is my favorite pick. Who does everybody have as your shocker? Is the team that's going to change around the – the league a little bit. Well, we talked about the London game, and I'm going to stick right there with my upset pick. The Chiefs are favored, but without Jamal Charles, I think that's going to really hurt them, and I think that the Lions, Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson are going to be a big connection in London. I'm going to say the Lions take it 21-17. So you tell me that game's not forgotten. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, also, it w- I did suggest this this little portion here of upsets in the week, but as I look through the matchups of this week, I'm not looking at any sheet that gives over-unders, but just on paper here, not too many teams that are glaringly underdogs. I mean, Tennessee, Houston, I, I don't know who would be favored in that matchup. Um, off the top of my head, I think Dallas is an underdog in Seattle. They got the America's Game of the Week. Dallas's quarterbacks really haven't done anything. Maybe this no, is the week. No, they haven't. 
I'll take Dallas upsetting Seattle. Wow, that that'll change if that does happen. That changes Seattle. Seattle becomes Shake three. Up the East. Seattle becomes three and five. Yeah, every single week for the past three weeks, I have picked the Lions of Detroit to be the upset pick of the week. And for tradition's sake, I just gotta go again. They're my upset pick of the week. I'm a Giants fan, and I hate the Cowboys, but I do believe that they will come out with the win in Seattle. So go Cowboys, but go Giants as well. Yeah, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> don't get ahead of yourself is right. All right, my upset pick of the week. This one's nobody's talked about this game at all. I'm going the Bucks over the Falcons. The Falcons are six and one. The Bucks are two and five. You're like, what are you talking That's about? That's me scoffing at that. The pick. Bucks should have beat the Redskins. That's not a they, bad pick. Sorry. Thank I you, Tommy. I didn't realize that that I didn't realize that the Bucks that their record was that bad. They're certainly the underdog. I might have to change my pick around right there. I can certainly see the Bucks and Dark Martin, like we talked about, hottest running back in the league. Well, maybe except not for Tom Brady, <laughs> but I can see that happening. It's it's possible. What what it's going to come down to for me in that game, the Bucks' pass defense is horrendous. They. Don't get anything done. I can't but if, name a single player in the secondary. <laughs> but if Jameis can come out and have a breakout performance, which I think he might because the Falcons' pass defense isn't all that strong either. If Jameis can come out, give his team 300 yards, give them two touchdowns, Doug Martin's obviously going to get going. I think they have a shot. The Falcons haven't looked that great. All of their wins are close ones where they just find a way to sneak it out. They did the same thing with the Reds. If you look at the game, obviously I'm a Redskins fan. I watch these two games. When the Falcons played the Redskins, the Redskins had them. They should have won. They went to overtime, and the Redskins were up in that game. When the Redskins played the Bucks, the Bucks jump out to a 24-0 lead. I think the Bucks are a legitimate team. They're a team on the rise, and I think they come in and they get this win in Atlanta. I'm a famous Jameis guy. I like him. I don't think this is the week, though, for the Bucks. <laughs> Guys, this just in, the 49ers at Rams game. Carlos Hyde has been ruled out for that game. So if that game could get any any more boring, it just is. I, I, think, I think what Tommy's saying there is he would suggest not starting Carlos Hyde in the <laughs> fantasy lineup. <laughs> yeah, so, call. Hopefully your <laughs> opponent starts him. This has been another fun, talkative, Everyone enjoying. We're going up. We went upset picks. We went through the Thursday night football game. We went through the Giants game, the Jets game, and we had a good time. And that's what matters the most. Thank you for tuning in to NFL Friday in the booth. We've had Rich Gene engineering, Dan Bradley producing, Matt Morrow just being the pretty face behind the glass. He's been supervising producer. Tommy Aldrich came in, gave us his fantasy picks, and they were awesome. Tom Scabelli, David Ballack here with you guys hosting this weekly edition of NFL Friday. Tune in next week and we'll go back over and see. Because this is a big week. In week seven, this is where we'll find, or in week eight, we'll find out who the legitimate teams are. And so tune in next week and see what we got. Thanks, guys. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.